Hello and welcome to the MF Gamers Podcast. My name is Simon and this is episode 13 of 20 Questions, where I bring in a surprise guest each episode and ask them 20 gaming related questions. Question number one, who are you? Give us a bit of background on your username. Uh, hello, my name is Simon as well. My username is Robotic Monkey. I like robots, I like monkeys, but Robotic Monkey with an E was taken, so I did that hateful thing of putting a number in. Yeah, you did. You had a bit of an unknown quantity on the forum because you wasn't part of GameCM. No. Yeah, no one really knows who you are. You recruited me back from the uh, the good old Gamerdog days when uh, when I used to hang out there an awful lot. Was it Minecraft we started playing? We used to play Minecraft a lot, yeah. If you remember rightly, you used to log in from work to put stuff in the chests for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's a long time ago. That's coming on 10 years. When did Game of Dark fold? It has to be about eight, eight, nine years ago at least. Yeah, at least. It's got to be. It's a fucking lifetime away. At least in internet terms it is anyway. Absolutely, yeah. Proper dinosaurs of the internet age, man. Mm. Question two. Name the most important game pre-2001. You don't have to like the game to think it's important. Well, that's probably Final Fantasy VII... Do you reckon? Why so? It did a huge amount for making JRPGs popular, didn't it? I mean, they were around for quite a while, but that, that was the first big one where it was like a massive, long, epic game that you just kept chipping away at forever and ever that uh, that just ran and ran. Those games were always popular in Japan, though. You mean it were popularised in the West? Yeah, yeah. So 7 was the first one, really, that I, I feel like broke it big. I mean, I remember that was like, uh, let me have a think, I would have been at sixth form when that came out, and it was the whole thing that anybody who had a PlayStation at the time was playing. I like remember like a whole summer holiday just poured into that game of trying to find every little nook and cranny. This was back before the internet was like an easily searchable thing, so no doubt there were guides out there, but I mean, you were relying on it being in a magazine that had a tip section. We had like a little book that was given out with, uh, with a magazine that was swapped round that had all of the locations all of the weird things that you could uh, go and see and all the, the limit breaks and stuff yeah and how to get them so it was like how to get a gold chocobo as soon as you could and how to get knights of the round i've no doubt if you sat down with that game for hours and hours you'd eventually find all of this stuff but it was just so vast that it didn't really seem like the sort of thing that you just stumble into and i, I don't know almost playing games like that with a guide is a bit of an essential thing isn't it it's kind of weird that you say final fantasy because as i understand it it just must be a european thing because in america they had the final fantasies before us and stuff like secret of mana and chrono trigger as well yeah so it just must be a, a peculiar thing to europe because america had them and obviously japan had them we were just missing out because they never ported those things here that was the sort of first commercial jrpg Final Fantasy VII, that's the most important game of the last millennium. Well, it's tricky as well because, I mean, the obvious answer is something like Mario as well, isn't it? Because that's platforming 101. Um, I'm thinking about it a bit more now. Which Mario? Because Mario 3 and Mario World, like people tend to get a bit argumentative over which one is the best one. Yeah, well, uh, like 3 is probably the one that I should imagine most people would have had because uh, it, it was the most neatly packaged up one, really, wasn't it? Oh, no, I'm on the world fence. Oh, okay. I'm on the world side of the fence. Yeah, I think world is a much better game. Well, you know, just fundamentally Mario with that, you know, run right and world 1-1, it's the classic platforming thing. You pop it down in front of you 
even kids now and they'd understand fairly quickly that the gaming mechanism is trying to push you in towards doing there. I guess I said Final Fantasy 7 because I think in terms of me and my gaming and how that shaped me going forwards, that's probably been the thing that's carried with me the most. I mean, I'll occasionally pick up a platforming game from time to time, but I just like to get myself stuck into a big adventure. Hmm. So what are we going for? Are we just sticking with Final Fantasy or are we going to go with Super Mario? I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to go for Final, for Final Fantasy. Cool. So there you go. Final Fantasy 7. Yeah, and bring the hate from the people who thought that uh, nine was the uh, 8 was the best one, even though it's clearly the stinker of the lot. Look, mate, I fucking hate all Final Fantasy. <laughs> but this is your episode, so I'm going to allow it. Question three. This is um, a question that gets brought up every episode. Name your favourite game from age under 10 and then another one for each decade of your life. So, how old are you? I was born in 1980, so um, before 10 was like 80s to 90s. Okay, so that's a nice gauge because it's like each decade has got a game. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when I was a kid, there used to be these little electronic handheld games. I don't know if you remember those where they had like a little LCD screen. Tiger. Yeah, well, I was going to say Tiger. Probably what most people would recognise is the Nintendo Game & Watch games, but um, they were like really expensive. So I had the Tiger ones. I remember I had a Turtles one. I played that for hours, probably because that's the one thing you get at Christmas that you have to play regardless of uh, of how shit it is and how, how limited it is. They were fucking crap, weren't they? They were really, really bad i had um i had a similar one that were a watch that was super mario nice yeah it was fucking garbage my dad was a mechanic so obviously he was in this circle of people and it's like oh you know do you, do you want to have a look at this and then someone would open up the boot lid of a car and there'd be all manner of stuff in there so one time he brought home an atari 2600 and i remember sitting down for a whole weekend and playing with that with my dad playing the tank game I had a Spectrum as well, but God, I can't even remember what I had on that. I'll probably go for like the little handheld electronic game. Reminds me of gaming as a as a young person. So yeah, you're going for the the old piece of shit Tiger stuff. Yeah, you you had a terrible childhood, man. <laughs> Um, and then, like, between 10 and 20, like, that covers everything from the SNES up to the PlayStation 1. Everyone has the same hand dealt to them. They have to deal with this as well. I had an Amiga when I was growing up. And on that, one of the games that I remember putting a huge amount of time into was Monkey Island 2. And it came on about 11 discs. And it had the copyright protection at the start, where you had to spin two little dials round. And like a million disc swaps, you go across a screen and have to fucking do like three or four disc swaps. Exactly. Well, the last disc was corrupt, so I got all the way up to the uh, the, the final <laughs> bit of the hell. game, and I think it was like disc 11, just wouldn't load. I must have been chipping away at that game on and off for a couple of years, but then when I got into PC gaming, obviously then it came out on uh, CD-ROM. So they went back, they uh, re-recorded all the audio and re-recorded speech to go along with it as well. Think that was on the PC. I don't know if they went back later and re-recorded audio again. I know on Xbox they went back and looked at them. So I think I'll go. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take the curveball. I think when that came out, I must have put a couple of hundred hours into. Right. Okay. So Monkey Island Two was your teen game. So you've had a Tiger game. You've had Monkey Island. Twenty to thirty. Oh, that's got to be Halo Three. So that's easily Halo Three, regardless of anything else that's out. In terms of the most hours that I've played, that the whole Halo franchise playing from the original xbox then to getting a 360 and playing through halo 3 i mean that was around about the point as well of where xbox live started to become a popular thing as well i work in it so hanging out with computer nerds it didn't take too long before people are swapping gamer tags every friday without fail about sort of seven or eight of us from work would play halo from about nine o'clock at night till sort of two in the morning 
yeah, it was fun because back at the start of Xbox Live, you had this wonderful thing of where nobody was in party chat. Everybody was just in group chat. So playing something like Halo, going in as a team of four, you got the massive advantage of you all know how each other want to play the game. But like just talking to random people, you meet some of the like most weird and wonderful people playing those early days of Xbox Live matchmaking. And you have the thing in Halo where you could say, well, I want to play with these people again, let's pair up. Or you could say, you know, get rid of them and, and jump back onto the queue. So sometimes you'd end up hanging out with people for like a whole evening and then never chat to them again. And that's something that's just kind of disappeared now. I think Bungie tried to create like a couch thing there. I think that was the whole gist of, you know, yeah. being able to hang out with people that you, you well, met. It's led to some like good memories of gaming, actually. Um, Halo 3 specifically had this good thing where you could only hear the people that were on your team, but if people were locally close by to where you were, you could hear them talking, which meant that if you're hiding around the corner with a shotgun and someone's talking, saying, right, I'm going to run around the corner, it gave you that advantage of you actually thinking, well, I've got to be quiet going in here. Are they going to hear me and sneak up on me? And it also meant that you could just talk smack on people after you'd been killed or were killing someone else. Yeah, that's what I used it for, yeah. talking smack. <laughs> well, always, always talking smack. Always. That's I remember the angriest I ever heard somebody was, I think Halo 3 was like the start of teabagging as well after you uh, killed somebody going over and pumping up and down on their, on their corpse. But I found that people kind of ignored that after a while because it just sort of became standard fare in Halo 3. But I found what annoyed the people the most is if you had your microphone on, you go over and stand on their body and crouch down just once. And while you did it, just go, yeah, and then walk off. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember once this kid, you could hear him screaming the entire way across the map, which again, just gives you an unfair advantage. You can hear the poor kid coming. So one of us would take it in turns to shoot the poor kid down and then <laughs> crouch over his dead corpse and, uh, and, and make a nice, nice loud uh, crapping sound on him. And you just hear it like nothing but distorted headset. It reminds me of Gears of War, where whenever you died, it took you out a team chat and put you in the lobby with the other people that died. So... <laughs> You just you just <laughs> you bounce into the lobby all of a sudden like there yeah yeah you just get these fucking massive arguments where it's just like and it's just a fucking pool of toxicity of people just shouting at each other you know calling each other the most obscene oh, words fantastic yeah and then it just like fucking round one would go through and everyone would be sort of level headed. And, and then round two would happen, and people are getting a bit salty. By this point, by end of match, everyone is completely marinated. They are fucking, like, 100% salt. It's just, people are furious by the time they've got to that point. I tapped out on Gears of War. Halo was my uh, bread and butter. Yeah, that was your choice of toxicity. So, 30s to 40s now. My best game would be Bloodborne. I, for the longest time, could not stand Dark Souls games. I couldn't stand the people that talked about Dark Souls games because the games are boring and difficult for the sake of being difficult. There was just this kind of like sneering, smug, Elitism. condescending like snark from people who've completed Dark Souls. And uh, yeah, I, ju I just thought they were like boring and crap. And someone's like, yeah, but Bloodborne's different. Bloodborne's a bit more forgiving. You don't have to know timing so much. You can get away with being a bit more button mashy. It's, um, it's got a really good story. So... I think the thing with Bloodborne, for me personally, having played the some of the other Souls games, is that it rewards aggression and knowing where to be aggressive. And yeah, the well, combo system and stuff is like it's just exemplary. It's a lot more arcadey. It feels really tactical and like from moment to moment. And, and this just, is it. I um, it's I so good. I played it. And the uh, the guy who was like, oh, you know, best game ever, watched me streaming it for the first 
hour, two hours. And the whole time he's like, well, okay, what happened there? Why did you die? I'm like, well, I don't know. And he's like, well, did you notice that this person was swinging back before they hit you? Did you notice that you could have like rolled backwards and pointed out how much the game actually tees up to you? You have time, you have space, you can move around and you're you're faster than everything. And he, he taught me about the whole thing of like keeping fights on your terms. So drawing people out. Mm. And it was pretty soon I got hooked. And it was the whole thing of, you know, spending 10 minutes trying to get somewhere and dying. And it's like, oh shit, I've, you know, lost all my blood echoes. I've got to go back. And then finding out that your blood echoes have been soaked up by the guy that fucking killed you. And he's yeah. like, oh, fuck me. I guess we're going to have to have this fight then. But yeah. uh, I remember the Father Gascoigne fight I got stuck on for quite some time. But the feeling of satisfaction when I finally took that guy down was just immense. I can't think of any other games where I've had that, you know, leap off the sofa and shout at the television out of sheer joy from any other game. I've played Demon Souls and Dark Souls and then Bloodborne. Yeah. Bloodborne is the one where the riposte system feels, it just feels really fucking smooth. It feels incredible. And it's obvious when you should be shooting as well. Like, if you study an enemy's pattern, and it's like, okay, if I shoot right this moment, I'm just going to knock into his knees. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I kind of liked about Bloodborne. It's my first playthrough. I think I hardly did any of that riposte parrying at all. I think it was only when I remembered or was having particular difficulty with someone that I actually went back to do it. But my uh, my second playthrough, yeah, you use it all the time because, like you say, you become so much more aware of when someone's attacking. The game's really clever with like visual and audio cues about where you need to be and what's going on and that sense of satisfaction that you get from feeling like you've uh, you've outsmarted the game was quite good and i've pulled a few other people on board the bloodborne train as well again of doing that thing of i think if you sit most people down and talk them through that first hour of the game where they're going how to get to a lamp because i mean it has to be said. how to get in- insight that's when the game opens up the first time you get insight yeah and you're allowed to bring someone in or oh level up but that's it because before then you just sort of fucking throwing yourself at a wall and it's like i don't really know what i mean yeah i mean i'd have probably given up on that game if it weren't for hendo if hendo hadn't have gone hey this is what you need to be doing i would have i would have just fucking thrown the towel in yeah because it doesn't it doesn't steer you towards where you need to go or you have to find that one out yourself and if you haven't worked out leveling up at the start you could easily be stuck on that game and just think well this is just a bit shit there's nothing to do where do i go how do i level up it's not the most obvious thing it's guiding you, but it's not completely handled. You're like, with that, it's sort of like, well, there's Yarnum. Off you fuck. Go on. And it, it, it keeps pushing you a little bit to go further each time and you'll learn a little bit more. Yeah, and then the game changes and then you revisit old areas, that, but they're different and the, the different phases of the moon. And then it, it's just, I mean, I'm sure there's, you could go on for hours. There's people that have done it much better than I ever could of the story of Bloodborne. But even sort of superficially, just walking around, that game is just so, so pretty and... Yeah, I enjoyed it. You can enjoy it just as a superficial button masher, or you can get really, uh, really tricksy with what weapon you want to use and mm. fully get into, like you say, your riposte and baiting people into attacks. But I, I think it's, uh, yeah. So, okay, that's for under 10s, a tiger game, yep. your teens, Monkey Island 2, Two yep. your 20s, Halo 3, yep. and finally, Bloodborne. Yes, Bloodborne. Okay, question four. What game was the first game you really got into? I remember in Gran Turismo going around, you could muck around with all sorts in that game. You could change like gear ratios and, and tunings. And yeah, I, I went through all the different cars and picked out one that I, I got on the uh, Mitsubishi Twin Turbo. Man, that thing what was a beast. The STO or the GTO? The GTO Twin Turbo. It couldn't go around a corner for shit, but that thing would like take off like a rocket in a straight line. Do you know something? I think I might share the same game as you. Yeah. Because 
Gran Turismo was the game that sort of opened my eyes to how in-depth motor racing could be. Yeah, well, that was it. It was it was like a full-on racing simulation. There's there's so so much depth to it. Before that, it was just a case of here, pick a car, right? Okay, go around in circles for like three laps or whatever. Like yeah. there were none of wheel camber or picking different cars or sort of try to get within different specs. Well, that's it. You could swap out your tuning parts to make it so you had mm. the absolute maximum of tuning setup, so you'd still be in a lower class. You want to be as high to the top of the class as you could possibly get to try and you know make sure you you've got the fast this car yeah you mentioned the gto i had a really weird path with gran turismo because when i started playing it i was like this is fucking shit i remember getting it on a demo disc on official playstation magazine and yeah. it came and i think the cars that they allowed you to drive were uh, a subaru impreza and a corvette and the corvette were just like impossible to drive yeah uh, it was just so fucking difficult but the impreza weren't too bad you get magazines just fucking jizzing the pants over it and i'm like i don't see this like i'm not enjoying myself yeah and then something clicks with the impreza and i'm like oh no i'm actually fucking like i i sort of get what's going on now with this this is enjoyable and then i remember buying the game and just thinking i can't fucking control any of these cars like i went back to step one i couldn't afford any of the cars that i could control i didn't know enough about cars to have any idea what i were doing so it was like yeah. i i remember having a honda civic front wheel drive car and just thinking this is it like this is all i can fucking drive i've fucking wasted my money here and eventually i spent enough time driving the front wheel drive cars it's like oh why well, I, I sort of understand this understeer thing and how it works well, it kind of came at the time as well of where there'd been a huge amount of arcade games. So races up until that point were, you know, spank it into a corner as fast as you can, yank on the handbrake, go flying around sideways, and you'd never let off the accelerator button. Yeah, Whereas in yeah, Gran Turismo, you'd, you'd, you'd be screwed. You'd be in the gravel and slow down to a near standstill. So you had yeah, to actually it. start racing properly. Yeah, I sort of graduated to four-wheel drive cars because it was like, okay, I understand the understeer. Let's move up to the, the four-wheel drive stuff. And it was like, okay, I'm getting an, a gist for what oversteer is now all these years of playing ridge racer and sega rally and yeah. you and you know being able to fucking throw this car around like yeah. it's absolutely fuck all and then i went to rear wheel drive cars and it, uh, the one that really won me over in that game was the cerbera the tvr cerbera it was oh, yeah, like okay. half gray half green the limited model yeah and after that i never drove anything else i get it now i get why people enjoy driving these cars yeah and you start to pay attention to stuff like the breaker boards leading into corners and learning about your entry uh, apex and the exit point mm. it kind of even got to the point of understanding what gear i needed to be in in my favorite car when i got to a certain corner so i got really really into it so yeah that's probably you know the one that i fell down a rabbit hole with yeah it's an easy game to fall down a rabbit hole with if you're into cars and stuff like that many many sliders question five which game have you given up on before completion what did it do to make you throw the towel in dark souls and what made me give it up was everybody that plays dark souls just the community just the community and i must have played the first hour or two of dark souls about 10 times it's interesting now i've gone as far as i have with bloodborne to see if i went back to play dark souls if i just breeze through it like it's nothing if bloodborne gave me that masterclass in actually here's what you're supposed to be learning but yeah I, i've tapped out so many times on the start of dark souls i feel i should go back to it one day but i don't know <laughs> the game still kind of makes me angry i've got it on xbox 360 and it's backwards compatible so i have it on the xbox one now i've downloaded it but it just kind of sits there looking at me when i look at my games list like no are you gonna play it maybe the first hour of it before i get angry and read a note on the floor that says try jumping <laughs> and i'll just rage turn it off and delete it off my hard drive again question six are there any parts of gaming that need to be expanded on 
I love puzzle games. The one I can think of that I enjoyed the most recently would be The Witness. And I can't think of any other puzzle games that have been around recently. I mean, I suppose the reason it's not expanded on is because it's a select audience, isn't it? It's probably not the most popular genre or popular aspect of gaming. I guess it's reminiscent of the old days of gaming where you know you come up against a puzzle and if you didn't know how to do it well that's just tough companies like nintendo have done a pretty good job of making it a little bit more family friendly and user friendly where you can hold down a button it gives you hints in fact i think when they did the monkey island remastered versions you could literally just hold down a button and it would give you a hint yeah it said this is how you do it yeah i just like to see a few more puzzles in games you look at something like red dead 2 and that game's fantastic for the amount of story that's in there and for the amount of world building that's going on but the most complicated puzzle is kick in a door and shoot somebody hmm. that's always the final solution just kick the door off its hinges and shoot whoever's giving you asshole yeah or pick up a thing and then walk the entire way back across the map to go and see somebody and there are treasure maps in the game what i disliked about that is it's like well here's a picture of a tree on the side of a mountain and there's quite a few of them in the game so it wasn't really like oh you know near the biggest river that you can find or it's not like in something like skyrim where you find a treasure map and it's like oh here's a windmill and there's a farm and and it's like, well, I know there's a windmill on a farm at White Run. Exactly. And I'd love it if a few more games had stuff where you actually got rewarded for looking into these little puzzles that are hidden away and finding some uh, some cool stuff at the end of your uh, mm. breadcrumb trail. Mm. And not just like completely handhold you as well. It's like completely off your back. Mm. It's completely off your doing when you solve those things. And you might exactly. stumble and, you know, like halfway through that chain and loot a chest. Yeah. End up breaking the, the quest chain. It's unintended. You're meant to start at point A and work your way through to point Z but you might come in somewhere like F or you might come in at M or even V or W to right at end. Yeah, it's yeah. It's like, well, there's your big reward. Yeah, games don't really do that often enough, in my opinion. Nope. The sort of, hey, if you want to do this, this is it's completely by your by. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I fell down such a deep hole back when I used to play Minecraft, is I remember you in, you in particular were one of those mm. people that... I remember one time you, you spent best part of a week trying to make like a little monorail system that would automatically dispense yeah. a train cart when you pressed a button. And we spent like a whole evening just messing around with like different configurations of things. We were trying to get it to work within the smallest possible footprint yeah. we could. Yeah, and the sense of satisfaction when you get something like that done, it feels like you've done something. I think that's different though, because that's a, a play a set goal and it's not like inbaked into the game we yeah. were just like hey do you know what would be fun if we could do this so we started and we made like a little bit of a, a train depot and we're like how small can we get this how far can we crush it down yeah to make it as compact as possible and use the least resources it's perfect we can't get it down any further yeah it's the minimal it's going to be yeah nerdy life goals right there yeah but other stuff like um you mentioned with the joe you know, the red dead redemption where it's like you start at point a and end up at point z and you work through the the alphabet as you join solving clues and puzzles yeah. I guess these stuff like that in Grand Theft Auto Vive with the UFO and stuff, I don't think anyone's solved that yet. Yeah, but, but I mean, I think, uh, that's, I think that's that's so fucking complex. It's like it's going off the scale. You're having to crowdsource thoughts over it, and yeah, and I think yeah, I think that's a little too bit much. too far off off down that other end of yeah. the scale where the, the the puzzle's just a bit too esoteric. Like you know, knowing that you have to stand in an exact GPS reference, looking in an exact direction down a sniper scope to see the next clue, it's just a bit too obscure. But mm. leaving like an nice neat little breadcrumb trail for you to find little puzzles and extra stuff yeah it's nice if it's there's like a middle ground where it's like you don't have to be fucking einstein to work it out just something that's like it makes you feel smart for working it out it makes you feel i think going back to the witness although i've never played it i know a lot of people have said yeah i felt dead stupid before i played this but it, it made me feel smart or it made me feel 
stupid because you know like because you come the... up against a brick wall and you're just stuck and then when you get over that you're like oh you know that seems mm. that seems so obvious now i think braid won another game that did that as well another jonathan blow game when yeah. you were like people felt really smart for working stuff out on that game oh god this spend this... ages trying to brute force something and then like oh no actually you do it like this yeah there's some parts in that game that i remember vividly making me really angry there's one level called i think it's the fickle passenger where you're messing around with moving time backwards and forwards but the key doesn't move forwards and backwards and you had to do this one pixel perfect jump to hand over the key to your future self Ugh, that game made me so gross i never finished it properly maybe i should do that Question seven, if you were to remaster a game that hasn't been remastered yet, which game would it be and why? I would like to see the original Super Nintendo Mario Kart remade. As is. None of this fucking around with like snaking or carrying more than one item with you. The original Mario Kart, where the number of coins you were holding dictated how fast you went, there was an actual massive difference between what character you picked, even though like 99% of the time everyone's going to pick uh, Yoshi or Toad, because they were the ones that accelerated the quickest. Everybody picked them up because it meant that you could like skim over the corners. I'm going to say a lot of people that I know that are really, really good at that game usually pick Bowser or yeah. Donkey Kong. Because it's like, once the speed gets up, they're just impossible to yeah, stop. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you can, like, bunce people clean out of the way if you smack into them. Mm. But, yeah, the difficulty was you actually had to race properly and use the brake and use the little power sliding to get yourself around slightly more aggressive corners. But, yeah, I'd like to see a proper proper remake of that on something that I can play on. would be good. You just made a lot of people happy. <laughs> like, people would be um, ecstatic if that happened. I know they've redone Mario Kart so many times, but I don't want to see bikes, I don't want to see gliders, I don't want to see some weeb character from some crappy game that I've never played before. You just want eight people, minimal pickups, no blue shells, they're just bullshit, and just pure racing. Question eight, this is a question that I ask everyone that comes on the show. Is there anything in games that makes you cringe or be disappointed in the inclusion of such things? Oh, I think it's going to be the same answer as everyone else. It's just the TNA in fighting games. I've often thought that I'd like to get into fighting games, but you look at something like Street Fighter V, and it's just embarrassing. I can't, as a person in my late 30s, be uh, looking at cheap titillation simulator for, you know, what's supposed to be a fighting game. thing is, as well, like, I think Street Fighter V is probably one of the, the better ones for covering the women up. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm sure there's a whole load. I mean, I, I don't massively follow fighting games, but uh, it's the easiest one to reach for because... Mm. Dead or Alive is definitely the, one of the worst ones. It's not even tongue-in-cheek, is it? It's just balls-out ridiculous. Stuff like um, Soul Calibur as well, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Even though the women are in that are sort of covered up, it's still gratuitous in a way. Yeah, absolutely. I sort of look at it and go, no, I don't want that. No, <laughs> I literally no, don't want that. Like, this is fucked up. Nope. Stop with your, your silly um, pandering. It's nonsense. I think it's real damaging as well to the industry. There's the question as well of, of you know, people sort of say, well, how do you make esports a thing? I think one of the reasons that Overwatch has kind of become as big as it has is because, I mean, you can argue that some of the characters in there are a bit, you know... Sexually overt, like correct, um, yeah. Widowmaker. Yeah, but then by the same measure, it's, it's a bit of a cartoony style to things. But then you get to something like Street Fighter and you think, well, I wouldn't want to show that to my kids. So here's a genre with like a deep gaming mechanic that when you understand it is actually really really intelligent it's just like a ridiculous display maybe it's just because i'm getting old and maybe it's because i've got kids now but i just think okay surely you can come up with a more intelligent way to demonstrate how much of a clever complex game you've got than just tna it just seems a bit cheap question nine which game's character do you find most visually appealing 
What reasons draw you to this conclusion? Probably off the back of how many hours I sunk into Halo, it would be Master Chief. The Spartan armor is just androgynous. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it, a sort of armor. It's the very sort of definition of an avatar, really, isn't it? It could be mm. anybody inside there. It's just uh, you know a, a hollow shell for whatever you want to fill it with. Uh, this reminds me of that thing when they did the Star Wars reboots, or not reboots, but the Jodie sequels, and they were on about. Captain Phasma's armor, and it were like it don't look like a woman's armor. It's like it's fucking armor. Yeah, <laughs> it don't need to look like a woman's armor. It's just body armor. Well, like, was that just people what, upset? Because that leads back in, back into our previous conversation that it wasn't oh, just like hell. some kind of like bra and underpants set that you know the most Please, the most impractical body armor. I'm I'm glad they stuck <laughs> with what they did. You can imagine there was a meeting somewhere, and the person got as far as so her armor then, and some judge just slapped his hand down on the desk and pointed and said, "No, no, you leave now." Yeah, that would have been embarrassing if she'd had, had like, a fucking Jobair midriff Ugh. and, like, fucking thigh-eye, fucking... Uh, oh, fuck off. That bullshit. Question 10. Name your favourite poster on MF Gamers. Uh, I'm going to say Ildog, because as, as little as that guy posts, he cracks me up. And also, I used to use True Achievements back in the day where right. if, if I got less than 50% of the achievements in an Xbox game, I thought I'd failed on something back when I was proper tracking them down. I came across a whole load of his guides for stuff, which is like odd that then I didn't know he was part of another games forum and ended up on the same forum that he did, but... It's a small world, isn't it? It's weird. It's bizarre that I've, you know, read through like large guides on how to crack achievements that he wrote on some webpage that I also happened to look at. So, yeah, I'm saying L-Dog. I'm, I'm paying the love back. He's got hidden depths, that islander. Yeah. I'm telling you. Question 11. Name a game that you'd like to be a film or TV series and name a film or TV series you'd like to be made into a game. I think there's enough going in Bloodborne, actually, that you can make a TV series off it. There's so many characters in that that I'm sure you could like squeeze in maybe explaining some of the weird lore that's going on. You know what? I think you are like nail on head there. Did you um, watch the Castlevania? Uh, I haven't. It's on my watch list. But... Oh, it's fucking... It's really good, but yeah, like a Bloodborne version of that would just be... That would fucking blow my dick clean off. Because I think they could go into like all of these stories, like um, uh, Vati Vidya is one of the guys who does these really comprehensive YouTube videos on lore in Bloodborne and mm. to have like whole TV shows like slowly unfurl people's backstories and back conversations I think would be really really good I think there's a lot of potential there mm. and then going the other way around a TV show that would make a good game I think an easy one to pluck for there would be Westworld if you're playing as part of you know someone who's in the research facility just going about your day-to-day -day business if you're playing a clean-up person or if you're actually going inside the park and then deciding how you want to play the game I, th I think there's a huge amount of ways you could push with that one yeah Westworld has got many facets to it and it that uh, a very you could gamify a lot of it yeah because I mean there was the game out on Steam what was it called Viscera Cleanup where you are like mm. a cleaner going into somewhere where there's been some horrible space accident you could have that in Westworld yeah where Whiskey Chase we're talking about that semi-recently yeah where it were like <laughs> yeah try to incinerate like body parts and stuff exactly so you could be one of the cleaners from Westworld like patching these people back together you could be a, a software programmer trying to hack things I, I think there's lots of uh, there's potential there for that question 12 what's the best weapon or power you've seen in a game probably the uh, the gravity hammer from the halo series when you pick one of those things up the amount of fun from just going around and, and smacking people clean across the level playing griff ball well that's it. it it launched its a whole genre from the game of playing like sports with fundamentally trying to break game mechanics so yeah i'm gonna go for the uh the i don't think hammer. it will break in game mechanics it would empower them that's more true than anything 
But then, uh, I mean, how much Griffball did you play? Did you get into that whole thing of launching people to get them further across the map while you're uh, while you're playing from the opening? I basically played it to just be really fucking annoying and just oh, okay. kill their players. Yeah. And just like just try and trap them in, and, like try and tie them up while other people are playing. Yeah. Do you know something? That was fucking Rocket League before Rocket League were really a thing. I think I, I know that they're very different games yeah. in that you're playing a car, shooting a football about, and the other one's a first-person shooter. But the way that the mechanics work, in that you sort of rotate round your shift yeah, position, yeah. depending on who's got the ball and stuff. Yeah, I never really thought about that before. But mm. yeah, I, I I definitely feel like Joe does have a foot in the same circle yeah. on the old game Venn diagram. Yeah, for sure. That's probably why I fucking enjoyed it. So I really enjoyed Rocket League as well. Oh, I want to play Griff Ball now. Yeah, foo for hot. Yeah, the, the hammer. Yep. <laughs> Going back to the hammer. Yeah, I think Halo in general had... Some really, really nice weaponry. Some very iconic weaponry. Uh, amazing noise when it hit as well. Like, amazing yes. sound design. Yes. Just this this weird, like, Well, I liked as well, you could do that, that weird stuff as well. Of, like, if you hit it on the floor next to a cone, if that cone was going fast enough and hit somebody, you could kill people with a cone or, like, just bits of scenery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never managed to do that, but I did use the gravity hammer to, like, deflect grenades that were coming towards nice, me. Nice, yeah. It's like, no, fuck off, mate. <laughs> Have your own grenade back. Yeah, good times. Yeah. Question 13. Name a game that you were initially wrong about. The stance change can go either way. Halo 4 was in my heart set up to be the game to wipe out all other games. It was going to be, you know, like the next thing in the beloved Halo franchise. And it was a stinking turd. It was awful. It broke my heart. Would you like to elaborate? The whole story is just, I don't know, it feels like someone wrote it in five minutes. It seems like you're just buzzing round for seemingly no reason. You get all the way to the end of the game, and then you kill the final boss by just poking him in a hole. All of this massive build-up to this one character that's supposed to be the most ultimately evil thing that completely has got the fate of the world in his hands, and you just throw a grenade at him and push him in a hole and that's it. To be honest, I don't really know where I stand on Halo 4. Because I don't like the new enemies. I think the new enemies are shit. Well, they're barely new now, but they were new for that game. But I just thought they were, like, they were really bullet spongy. They were just the one nice... I actually, like, I think I got fucking undrawn and quartered for this at the time when I said it. But I said I actually preferred fighting the Flood. Because yes. the Flood, at least they offered a bit of texture compared to fight in the Covenant. And you know, with with the Flood, it felt like they, they have a bit of an ethos behind them. You know, they're like a plague and they're trying to wipe out anything in their way. So when you had like mm. waves of these tiny little guys, it made sense. When you had the big guys, there were mutations of other people round about. But the bad guys in Halo 4, they were just space robots. It feels like yeah, it could have been fucking shit. cut, cut and paste from, from it anywhere. It was just little sentry guys flying around. Yeah, they were fucking terrible. They crap. Yeah. Between Halo 1 and Halo 4, I did everything on Solo Legendary, apart from Halo 2, because Halo 2 Legendary is, of course, bullshit. Yeah. Absolute nonsense. Yeah, <laughs> like, running, so running through those difficult. like tunnels with stuff chasing after you is just not... It's, it's fucking bollocks, I don't know. I, obviously, that, that never got fucking playtested. It was, it was stupidly difficult. Yes. But I remember playing through 4 and just thinking, I'm not having fun here. Like, I'm just not having fun. And then it gets to parts where I fight in the Covenant. Yeah. And it'd be like, oh, this is actually... Yeah, yeah, I like this. And it's, oh, no, we're about to fight in these 
fucking cunts. Yeah. These guys that can instantly fucking teleport to you and just one-shot you. No, it, just it wasn't. Rubbish. It wasn't fucking fun. rubbish. It just, it just felt like they handed the keys over to 343 and 343 put in a V8 engine and painted hot rod flames up the side and then went whooping off the side of a fucking mountain. Like, they didn't really understand what they were doing with the game. The multiplayer in that game, though, I kind of liked it. I thought the map design was... Well, well that's, that's because, f- fundamentally, that was just Halo Reach with a few bells and whistles on. Yeah, there were a map called Haven in it, and that is one of the best pieces of map design I think I've ever seen in the game. I think that's the only thing, really, of Halo 4 that I played for any amount of time was the multiplayer. And that's yeah. only because when it came out, the multiplayer from the last one just sort of tapered off. That game was the one that I played the most when I got fibre internet. Okay. And it was like, oh my god, shit is dying. I'm shooting it and it's dying straight away. Like, no bullshit deaths or anything like that. Yeah. Because before I were working on like a two meg connection or something and it'd be like, you'd shoot someone and then eventually they'd fall off. Yeah. It's like, oh, they're dead. And it's like the difference between playing on a, a bad connection and then you're getting a super connection is like, you shoot someone and it's like they just drop dead. Like the instant that fucking bullet hits them, there's no latency or anything like that. Yeah, on the flip side, it's like you fucking die just as quick as well. It's like, yeah, it's not like someone had shotgun you and you did the blast go off and then it's like a second later you die and it's like, oh, that's fucking bullshit. Have you played multiplayer games with me? If not, you are missing a fucking treat, my friend, because I lose yes, my shit we, when people we played, do shit. We played a lot of Battlefield Bad Company too. Mm. I get stuck in, in the Battlefield games. If you're not playing the objective, you're fundamentally playing that game completely wrong. And I think you're of a similar mm. ethos. You're always kind of like pushing up. And uh, I remember one of my uh, my work colleagues joined the game, and he's one of those people that sit at the back of the level with a rocket launcher and oh, a Oh, were I giving him shit? And you fucking tore the, into this guy. <laughs> Um, God, and you're he like, fucking deserves who's, it. Who's this person fucking on our team who's just sat at the back fucking around with a rocket launcher, <laughs> being a useless piece of shit? And he turned on my camera, oh, <laughs> sorry guys, that's me. Yeah, he fucking deserved it. Waste of fucking skin. Yeah. So yeah, Halo 4. Thought it was going to be good. That was the last special edition I bought. It turned out to be a massive crock of shit. The, uh, the book that it came with was beautiful, but the game was a stinker. Question 14. Pitch me a game idea that's never been done before. I was going to say parent simulator, where you're desperately trying to get something done while children are buzzing around your feet, but I'm sure if you go on Steam, that game exists somewhere. There is a game where you have to stop a baby committing suicide. Yeah, I've seen that one, and that, that's what immediately sprung to my head. But it's like earlier on, I got in from work and I was trying to make a cup of tea. The youngest one clamped onto my leg, and then the eldest, uh, the middlest child, has worked out that she can climb up me like some kind of little, I don't know, ninja. So she was like round my waist, pulling on my arms. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with my guns on that one. Parent simulator. Try and make a cup of tea while you've got small children climbing up you. Yeah, and just uh, it's just constant, Dad! Yeah. Dad! Yeah. Dad! Don't. Dad! Don't. Please Dad, don't. look at this, Dad! Please don't. Dad! Dad! Please stop. I'm giving you, giving you flashbacks. Yeah, I'm getting trauma <laughs> over here. <laughs> yeah, it, maybe have it in VR and, and make it so that you wear a fucking full bodysuit and like you can feel the kids like sat on your feet as you try to fucking walk. Yeah. It's like, fuck off, you're 14 now, walk. Yes. Question 15, my favourite part of this show. Give me your best impression of your favourite game character. <clears throat> i got to put on my best, uh, my best radio voice for this one. Wake me when you need me. Which is the, yeah, again, I'm going back around to Halo. Check out the Halo fanboy over here. <laughs> yeah, that was actually not bad. 
it would sound better if I had a cold and I smoked like 20 cigarettes a day and drank half a gallon of whiskey before I came on. That's possibly the best one that we've had so far. Easy now. Because There's been some pretty oh impressive God, Mario like... impressions on <laughs> yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, I think it's become almost like sacrilege to come on this show and not fucking take the piss out of Regiment <laughs> and his scouse Mario. Question 16. What controller do you despise? What was the reason for the disdain? The Nintendo 64 controller. It has three places for your hand to go. Out of the gates, that's the most ridiculous design decision ever. Who has three hands? <laughs> you, you've essentially said that you're not allowed to use one third of the controller at any given time. It's ridiculous. Mm. Oh, and the little thumb, the analog thumbstick on there was all nimbly bimbly and it would snap in half if you looked at it funny. Mm. Yep, that's another reason. Yep. The Nintendo 64 controller is a fucking weird beast, isn't it? The most out there thing ever. It's just like, yeah, have we to have this as a controller? I get what they did it. They wanted to introduce like an analog stick without making it seem like a, you know, a weird out of place thing next to the D-pad and have a distinction between them so you can either pick to be the analog or the D-pad, but I just think it, I don't know, it's this like weird nothingness in between. Mm. I want there some sort of fucking madness. I, I I never did this, so like someone that what had an N64 is going to have to correct me. But weren't there some games that you could play like dual stick analog? By using two controllers. Get out. Like, I, really? I, I don't think I don't think I'm making this up. Like I'm pretty sure you could play Goldeneye with two controllers. That's pretty far ahead if they thought of that. And I know there's some other like dual stick games. What's it like Jumping Flash? Or is it Virtual On where you're like controlling a mech and so you have just like two joysticks to move yourself round and about, but right. I don't know if any of those ever existed on yeah. the N sixty four. My main thing with that is just how flimsy it is. Yep. Just how fucking flimsy that stick is. The ergonomics of it are quite nice. But then you think about something like the SNES controller. I'm pretty sure you could like swing a SNES controller around your head and use it to stop a bus. And it would still be fine and it would still play. But that N64 controller, you only had to place it down anything more than just like gently on a table. Then it would disintegrate. Fucking hell. Yeah. Okay, question 17. Name a bit of game design that impressed you when you first saw it. Halo again. When you start up in, in Halo and they're booting up Master Chief, he says, oh, we're just going to run through some calibrations. Can you look at the light above you? And depending on which... Oh, for inverted. Which yeah. thumbstick you, you touch. Pull back or press yeah, up. but it was which thumbstick you pressed as well. So, was it? Yeah, so if you, if you used legacy controls or if you used inverted, it would pick up from the off with your up, down, and left and right. Are you left-handed? No, God no. Legacy is just weird. Those people are... <laughs> I'm an inverter, but I'm not. I'm not legacy control. You invert everything. It don't matter what game you're playing. You invert. Yeah, absolutely. I have a weird fucking relationship with invert because I don't like it in first-person shooters unless the thing that I'm controlling is in the air. Well, that makes sense because then it's like replacing a flight stick. Yeah, everything for me is like you know a pull back on the stick to look upwards. Yeah, for me. If you're in free space, Invert is the only way to play. A while back when I started playing Elite Dangerous, a lot of guys were like, how do I change this? And it's like, why would you want to change it? Like, it's fucking really hard to play if you don't play with Invert. And it's like, no, they can't do it. Whereas me, it's like, my brain is just wired to play on Inverted yeah, in well, those circumstances. You've probably been playing for long enough now that that's just in your head how that fundamentally that game mechanic works of, of moving the stick in that way to make your person move in the way that you're expecting it to. Mm. And this is the same with me with first-person shooters. So you always have that annoying thing that you hand the controller over to somebody and the first thing they'll do is go back into the menu and flip it back over to uh, Standard. Mm. I think Halo was well, the first game that I played that well, it sort of separated those options out between having a standard look 
and an invert look for the vehicles or the flying vehicles. At yeah, least. yeah, so you can say, well, if you're in the flying vehicles or in the in the cars, you can uh, you can swap mm. around if you want inverted or not. I think that sort of stuff. Well, just controls in general, like, should be completely terrible. Like, they should be completely malleable to the other person that's playing. Yeah, I fucking hate it when you play something. It's like, well, no, you can't change any buttons, and it's like, well, I want to. One that really gets me is. I like to play in the way that Bad Company put the button layout in. So, because you're crouching and laying on the floor all the time, it makes more sense for it to be on yeah. the click. You can do that to a certain extent with PlayStation 4 because you can remap any of the buttons. At the uh... Uh, Yeah, but that's that's on uh, like an operating system yeah. level. I, I think it should be just per software. Like, there's no excuse for it. You look at how much money is being spent on these games and it's like, just let us remap the controls. There's literally no excuse for it. Even down to, like, the smallest fucking developer. Yeah, absolutely. Right up to the biggest AAA games. Like, it's literally no excuse for it. It's got to be in there. Yep, I agree. I agree completely. Question 18. Name an underrated game and put forward an argument of why people should play it. There is a game on PlayStation 4 and PC called Nom Nom Galaxy. I played a huge amount of it and it's really good fun but I only ended up playing it because I happened to watch a video of oh one of these things what's coming out next week on PlayStation 4. It's a little bit janky especially on the PlayStation 4 when you get to some of the later levels it suffers from slowdown but it's just good fun. You go around like collecting things on a planet and making different uh, soups and trying to save the galaxy with the power of delicious soup. You're a little spaceman that runs around and you build a little spaceship and then go off out and collect stuff. It's like very sort of like low poly, quite quite pixely stuff. I think it's one of those ones that um, I played a huge amount of it in multiplayer and it became one of those ones where we were just kind of playing the game in the background while just chatting. It's one of those ones that requires enough concentration that you have to know what you're doing, but you can also tune out of the game quite easily and uh, just keep picking away at it. So yeah, Nom Nom Galaxy. Yes. People should try that. Yeah, give it a go. I'll be upset if I don't see that thread being bumped. (laughs) I don't even know if it has a thread, to be honest. It's, It's quite a weird game, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I think more people should at least have a look. Question 19, this is a question that I ask everyone before wrapping the show up. Where do you think gaming will go over the next few years and what will be your part in it? Well, I mean, just as I've been gaming, like the whole time I've been gaming, it just seems to get more and more diverse. I think it's only going to continue to happen, especially now we've got more and more storefronts and more and more channels for people to put anything out. It's a bit like YouTube. When YouTube started, it was just, you know, a few small things here and there. Now, I think YouTube channels exist that do nothing but review other YouTube channels so I, I just think it's going to diversify more and more i think we're going to start getting to a point where vr is going to become a little bit more commonplace i think at the moment it still exists as a toy i think we're waiting for someone to work out that way of translating the use of vr into something that everybody's going to understand and get on board with yeah it's, it's more tangible to the casual player yeah exactly when it gets to the point of where you flip on a little headset to play your friday night gaming with uh, with a bunch of other people is when you kind of like then absorbed it and then I guess gaming becomes a bit more well yeah I I like to think there'd be a time where you could play a first person shooter a convincing first person shooter while wearing a a headset without feeling like you're going to throw up everywhere it all boils down to the VR headset coming with the console it's not enough to have it as like a peripheral it needs to be your part of the base experience because otherwise you're just splintering your your community could you imagine playing Mario Kart in, in VR though how awesome would that be I've seen gifts of people playing Mario Mario Kart, where they, do you know when 
when you drive past the boxes to get like a red cello yeah where you have to put your hand up to grab nice. or the balloon as you go past you're wearing the vr headset obviously but the cart that you're sat in tilts and tips you it's on hydraulics oh nice yeah i don't think that's feasible for the normal consumer no the cost of vr is slowly pushing down i mean if you want to get a decent one you've got to get like what is it at the moment like an oculus or vive and like a three grand pc to run it i think playstation did a really smart thing by making something that gives you enough of a taste of vr that people get to experience it but also making it 300 pounds and just a complete sort of out the box solution well it's not 300 pound is it because you'd have a playstation as well the user a base cost it is coming down as the price of the playstation 4 is coming down yeah. and as the price of the, the vr is coming down as well it's not like pc gaming where you you need quite a hefty yeah big beast of a machine rig, to like, do it you need quite a bit of processing power and stuff because it's fucking having to render everything twice yeah in regards to vr the best way to do it would be to be a bit more simplified with it yeah people want vr battlefield or they want vr gran turismo or they want these things that are just delivered on just such a fidelity that it's too straining on current yeah. hardware like it'd be much easier if they're just like you know bright right down it would probably be too much for you to take in as well mm. in regards to people getting motion sickness and stuff so yeah I, i'd like to see something exactly like mario kart like some more simplistic stuff but i mean i think mm. the biggest problem there is i don't know quite how you get over something like would nintendo put their name on something if it gave half the people who played it motion sickness i'm not sure that they would i think it would be a bit of a pr disaster i think nintendo getting into trouble for giving people epileptic fits for doing checkerboarding in mario kart oh i didn't know about that yeah i think it was dubbed Double dash? Double dash or... Yeah, but one of the naughty ones. Okay. Where, yeah, racing across, like, a checkerboard pattern. Oh, of course, yeah. It gives people... Yeah, photosensitive people are not going to have a fun time with that game yeah i don't know what the health implications are of vr Mm. in regards to that but that's that's my gut feeling we're kind of in a bit of a toy stage with it all at the moment but i think you know maybe five ten years from now there's going to be a smaller device and i think probably more down the path of something like hololens where it's augmented rather than actual virtual reality for for gaming so you know you're looking at your tv the headset you're looking at knows when you're looking at the TV but if you glance off to the right you can bring up stats about I don't know maybe peep at the map or something so oh that'd be nice yeah yeah we've had like games like um, Zombie You where you use the second screen you know, yeah your you had to look sort down to look in your like bag you... or look at a map so yeah. I, I think that with something like the Microsoft HoloLens would be pretty sweet mm. yeah that's actually a pretty fucking novel concept shall I give Microsoft a call yeah. do you think they'd take it <laughs> Bill would fucking chew your hand off for it <laughs> I don't know it might just tell you to fuck off probably yeah too busy curing malaria mate on your fucking bike question 20 your fuck marry kill question your options are bloodborne halo 3 and monkey island 2 go oh no this is a, a tough one i'd kill oh i don't want to kill any of them no this is it you've got to kill one damn who am i gonna kill out of all of those Oh, I'm going to kill Monkey Island 2 as much as it pains me. I think it's the whole inevitable tired death of point-and-click games. Right, okay, so guy brushes LD's breath underwater for too long, so that's him dead. Ten minutes. Who's your fucking year, Mary? Well, Halo is not the girl I once knew, so I'm just going to fuck and then abandon her, and uh, I'm going to marry Bloodborne. That's a fucking scary marriage. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. I want to fucking wake up next to that on a morning. But I think there's still so much more. I like, you know, there's there's more to Bloodborne that I feel I can uh, I can 
look into. So I can live with that forever. Okay, so there you go. Monkey Island's dead. Halo's been fucked and Bloodborne's been married. Yep, a happy marriage. This has been episode 13 of 20 Questions with Robotic Monkey. I've been Simon. Uh, And I've been Simon. I'll see you next time with another guest. Goodbye. Bye-bye.